Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. tonight's world cup man on the post uh, i am your host chris and with me i've got james good evening how you doing very well thank you how are you both yeah i'm good thank you very much i've also got oh, jesse i've got jesse as well hi guys do you need a skype hug yes yes i do I'm I, so now, sad. I was thinking about saying sarcastic things to you tonight and I thought well two things would happen Not one time. England would lose tomorrow and secondly this pair of hands from New York would come straight through my Skype screen and throttle me so I'm not going to do that I would drown in my own tears no we can't have that either we'll be a, a host short yeah so okay right guys we are talking uh the Friday of the first quarter finals so that is Brazil versus Belgium and Uruguay versus France Jesse I'm sorry we're going to start with Uruguay versus France you wanted this just to get just it out of the way it. didn't you yeah, I, yeah, just just rip it off. All right, okay. So Uruguay nil, France two. Um, how did you start? Because I didn't watch this game because I was at work. So how did you guys start? Did you feel comfortable? So it actually didn't happen. Remember that thing about like if a tree falls in the woods, like if Chris doesn't watch it, it's not actually real. <laughs> okay. So fine. <laughs> it never happened. Go on then. It started, and how did you go before the first goal? Got um, you guys letting the first goal. How did you feel? We got on. How did you start? Um, I think this was the first match where we played um, nervy football. Um, you know, Astuani was in for Cavani, and I think as much as I've been on Cavani's case about goal scoring, he does do so much more than... Don't make that face at me. He does do so much more, like Suarez does, than just get the ball or not into the goal. And that absence was really, really felt. Um, Lasalt and Cáceres were running their legs off. Um, but there's a, you know, six foot two sized hole and the pressure. Um, the, I think everybody was sort of shouldering the pressure and, and you could see that in some really nervy plays from Josema in the back. Um, and we saw that in Musleta. I do want to say, though, that I that um, Nanda Musleta's grandmother and uncle died uh, yeah, two or three that. days ago, respectively. And so just to see him out there, um, just giving it his all was was enough to bring me to tears. <laughs> you know? oh, the poor boy, he did yeah. a Paki Bonner, didn't he? He sort of let it through his hands. He did. He did. Yeah. But he just, you know, the week that he's had. Yeah. Something. Paki Bonner, James, do you remember when he did that? 
against Holland. Oh, USA 94, okay. That's yeah. the year that Ryan was born. Ryan Remember would be one. He'd have been in short pants and sort of <laughs> nappies, wouldn't he? Little little dummy. What? Every now and then you'll still see him spit it out. Little tiny Chelsea booties. <laughs> uh, what did you make of it then, James? I mean, um, was there a big Cavani-shaped hole up front or did you think their sort of failings were towards the back? Because the, the first goal came from a set piece into the box, which Varane sort of nodded into the corner, didn't he? Yeah, it was a, it was a great delivery and obviously well worked with um, Varane moving on to catch the ball at a glance. You know, whereas uh, Uruguay would stick to man marking, but I concur with what Jesse said with uh, with Cavani doing so much more. I've been fortunate enough to see him play live once, and that was for Paris Saint Germain against Ajax in September 2014. And talk about um, seeing live in action, someone defending from the front, being aware of his surroundings, and helping out fellow um, midfielders and uh, and defenders to keep hold of the ball and to win the ball, and it was quite. A joy to behold but uh, I think Uruguay can hold their heads up high with the way they've performed in this tournament if you look for such a small country to play with so much pride and for every single one of the 23 to be to have so much joy in putting on that shirt and giving their all for that shirt it says an awful lot it's what for me it's what international football is all about you you see with many many nations now especially in this World Cup uh, players that represent one country that have had um, that have played friendlies or youth team games for other countries and then changed their minds right at the last minute. Uh, obviously, everyone's got their own different opinion, but when you look at Uruguay and the, the experience they have at, in their own country with, with Penarol and Nacional, and, and they're Uruguay through and through, and they are for me everything everything that's good about international football. So, although it's a disappointing result for them, they can definitely hold their heads up high. Oh, Jesse, do you feel better now? There you go. They're wonderful words, aren't they? That was, yeah, I want to write that. Somebody transcribe that for me. <laughs> that was great. Um, okay, so they had that, and then following uh, the glanced header, which they scored from Hugo Lloris, tried to eat some bugs, and then it was one bug. It was one, and then somebody told me that Lloris is actually a vegan. <gasps> No way. Which, you know, will make me like him so much more when he comes back to Spurs, which <laughs> makes me so happy. Uh, well, you won't like him so much with the save you made not long afterwards, though. No. It was a stunning save. Did and it save was a follow-up as well, or was it just that? No. Um, it was a great, great attempt by Casades, who I just love more and more and more. Um, I transferred my my unrequited crush from Forlan to Casades for everybody who's tracing my hair goals um, on the Uruguay national team. But it was a great attempt, and then Godin just could not put it in um, after the save. Um, but it really it was, a, it was a good save from a keeper who has had some great and some not-so-great saves. He really was in the right place at the right time this entire match. Okay, and then from there we had the... Who scored the second goal? Griezmann. Griezmann, who scored the second goal, which unfortunately went through... Uh, what's his name, sorry? I can't remember. Mineiros. Musleda. 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 Yeah. Musleda, his body was going in one direction. He tried to punch it out and just, I think, you know, force of whatever. I'm, I'm not very good at... I never took physics, so whatever... Um, Force means that when your body's going in one direction, you can't really 
change your mind and and grab it. That force. I don't know if that was Newton or Edison, but That's that Newton, happened. isn't it? That every action's got an equal and opposite reaction. But in golf, yeah. In golf. <laughs> Well, that's that's Justin's law, isn't it? Yes. Um, exactly. But that was all in the first half, so there was still quite a way left to go in the game. Did you sort of give up hope at that point, or is there anything that sort of you felt you could have sort of clung, clung on to? Um, I think that Tavares made the two substitutions that he should have made. It was sad that Estuani came out like that, but he needed to have, I think, bringing, you know, taking Betancourt, who was the only one we had on a yellow should have come out. Um, but, you know, this is, the, this is the deepest bench we've had in a very long time. I think it's incredible that um, Jonathan Orotevizcaya has yet to play um, in nine or ten matches and, and was able to come on, and he's a great, great player. But I don't think that this was the time to bring him on because of that. So I'm still not really sure. Although he played really well, um, He's a great on set pieces. He's really strong. Um, but I question bringing him on rather than Diarraqueta, who has played before in this World Cup and could take up that center position that Cavani, you know, was missing in. Um, I also, though, want to give credit to France. You know, Mbappe and, and Pogba are a really killer combination, and, and Griezmann just keeps getting better. So I agree with James. I think that. Um, you know, going out after playing really well and going out to this French team um, is not something to be embarrassed about. I was going to say, James, what did you make of France in amongst all this? I think they look good. I think one of the players that really stood out for me today was Benjamin uh, Benjamin Pavard, the uh, the young defender who's only 22 years of age and plays for Stuttgart in Germany who had a very mean defence last year. And to play like that at a World Cup at the age of 22, that says an awful lot. Having watched Griezmann play live in the Champions League final back in uh, back in May in Lyon, when he hasn't got the ball, and to gesticulate to fellow teammates in midfield and and wingers, you know, in terms of where he wants the ball and getting into pockets of space, he's just a, he's just a tremendous tremendous player. And I think there's unity there. I think um, I think they look odds on to reach the final, and then uh, and then who knows? But it's uh, it's a good French side, and there's there's great balance there. And uh, but I thought the person that really stood out for me today was uh, Benjamin Pavard. He's the player that at the end of the tournament, all the teams are going to be after, isn't he? There was always one player at the end of every World Cup, and it's going to be yep. him, isn't it? There are rumours that he signed a pre-contract deal with Bayern Munich, although that's yet to be confirmed. Okay. I also saw, I also saw that Arsenal. Uh, um, were linked, but I think Bayern Munich, with their clause in the German league as they have it, I think there must be substance to that, and he may well become a Bayern Munich player next season. But to be involved in that club, I mean, I've interviewed uh, a Dutch player, um, Gerard, who plays for Bayern Munich ladies team, and he um, even told me that even for the ladies team at Bayern Munich, you are treated like a complete professional in terms of the use of the facilities and it's a real world-class football club so Pavar going to that world-class football club from Stuttgart will get even better your face lit up then Jesse didn't it (laughs) no I hate that I hate even for the ladies team you're treated like a professional I just want that to change uh, I think James was trying to praise them because don't forget I know absolutely but I think that that's that needs to change because I think that that's the sentence that most teams aspire to, and okay. that sucks. 
No, I know. See Barcelona. Yeah. In in the interview that I did with her, Jesse, she was just commenting it on the fact that having played for other other teams as well in the past, and to go to such a club in in terms of ladies football and to have such high standard of facilities that it could only help her game. Yeah. And uh, it just goes to show that the the small details at professional level can make a big difference to many players. I mean, Phil Neville is wonderful, James. I don't know what you're talking about. He's going to be just such an asset. To oh, the women. Who was Gary Neville telling to get up and stop crying? Can I... I tweeted about this. So, Jose Jimenez, who is 23 years old, and like James said, this means... It, and this is a whole other essay that I will at some point write why football means more to Uruguay than anything else we have, um, started crying with a couple minutes left. What was he doing? Was didn't, he on the pitch? Didn't or was stop he... playing, but started crying. On the pitch, yeah. Right, okay. And, you know... He, he wasn't walking off as a sub or anything like that. No, no, he was playing and crying. And Gary Neville said, I don't remember what adjective he used, but basically said it was... Oh, it said it was embarrassing. So, yeah, go for it. I think if you wanted to talk about embarrassment, you could talk about his managerial stint at Valencia. <laughs> so did you see that tweet that someone put out? The picture, mm-hmm. He said um, Gary Neville embarrassing, and it tweeted yeah. a picture of the 7-0. <laughs> oh, <Yeah. man. laughs> Here's the thing. You want to talk about embarrassing. There are a lot of things. The... You want to talk about timing? Fine. But I think perpetuating the narrative that crying in, in football or men crying is embarrassing has gotten us to where we are, which is no place good. Um, and it's dangerous bullshit. So I would rather have my players openly cry than, you know, suck it up and beat the shit out of their wives later or suck it up and abuse somebody in some other way later. Cry. I don't care. As long as you're not like snot rocketing on the field in front of the camera, which is just disgusting or like wiping it on the ball, whatever cry and let everybody see that crying is normal and and stop saying it's embarrassing what's embarrassing is this like machismo narrative that has definitely not gotten south american players into any particularly good spot okay well look before we snot rocket onto uh brazil belgium isn't that such a good term snot rocket (laughs) i know i always want to call snot rocket like ivan rakitic snot rakitic whenever he does it (laughs) Um, how do you feel about Uruguay going forward? Are you confident as they go towards the next Copa America? Are you, are you pleased with what you've seen so yes. far? Or, yeah, yeah. I think finally Suarez and Cavani have started playing like a partnership. I think that this mix of youth and veterans is just just warms my heart. Cavani snuggling with Tiny Toreda was great. Um, and I really like the way that Tavares and um, Otero were co-leading this squad. I, I do. I feel I feel good about it. Okay. Will, will Tavares stay on, uh, Jesse? Because he's, he's 71 years old now and everybody sees him with his, with his stick and I think he's having some health problems too. Is, the, is it not maybe time to look uh, for a successor maybe with his health being the most important thing? So he has Guillain-Barre syndrome which either leads to paralysis um, or gets better. Um, seems like either either one or the other. And he's in treatment for it, but it actually has not, you know, he was on two sticks when it first started. 
um, and it has not um, progressed. I think that if his doctors say that this is okay, if, if you know, he's cleared to coach, I think the trust that his players put in him is the most important thing. They have such respect for him, and he has such respect for them as people, um, and you see that in the way that they speak to each other, that I have confidence in that. Okay. Right, we're going to move on from Uruguay, friends. We're going to move on to tonight's game, which Thank was... God! Yeah, which is... <laughs> which is Belgium versus Brazil. Okay, so we have Belgium 2, Brazil 1. Belgium took a 2-0 lead before... Oh, Augusto. It was Augusto. Renato Augusto. Renato Augusto. Renato Augusto. Before he uh, pulled one back in the second half, uh, alas, Brazil couldn't make it... Uh, much more. I want to talk a little bit about Romelu Lukaku um, because his play, this tour, this tournament has been absolutely fantastic. He's scored a few goals this tournament. Um, his his crafty play for the winner against Japan the other night was fantastic. Where he sort of fainted inside and came back into the middle, and he was unbelievable again. I think he did something. No, he made he made the run today for De Bruyne's second goal, didn't he? Um, and there was times again tonight where he ran himself into the ground. And Martinez, to be fair, was very brave to sort of substitute him towards the end and replace him with Tielemans, wasn't he? Because if Brazil had got that equaliser, then Belgium was stuffed. Yeah, it could have been a, it could have been a different story. But uh, Belgium, were, were, they rode their luck against Japan and they're through to the semi-finals, which I didn't expect. I thought Brazil would wipe the floor with them. And, uh, I, but... Um, it's going to be a big ask for them against France, but um, I thought a uh, fantastic save from Courtois at the end to deny Neymar. Yeah. But I believe it was a penalty on uh, Javier Jesus. If you look at a company catching catching his, his left leg, I mean, I don't know if the, the the linesman thought that it was going to be go out of the ball, it was going to go out of play or anything. I think the not the Neymar dive because that was blatant, but I think the, the Jesus... Uh, I believe that was a penalty, but uh, I, I wonder about the ramifications uh, of this for for Brazil. I didn't. I, uh, oh. <coughs> oh no, sorry, I was just talking about the penalty. Again. I don't think it was a penalty because if you look at Jesus, he kicked the ball pretty much. Out. He hadn't got control of the ball. He'd kicked the ball too far. It was pretty much already out of play. He was never going to get to it if company hadn't got it. It was, you know, it would have gone out for a goal kick anyway. So I don't think it was a penalty for me. Jesse, you're making a face. Well, I. So I I think that both calls were a little bit iffy. It, the fact that it wasn't a penalty for the first one um, perhaps means that Neymar should have gotten a yellow for wasn't even like Olympic diving. Well, the referee um, made the diving sign, didn't he? Right. So that's a card, um, and and he should have gotten one last match. So really should have gotten one this match. Um, but I think that even though the ball was out of Gabby Jesus's range doesn't preclude the fact that it was a it was a foul and if it's a foul really should have been a penalty so um i also think that sorry going back to my poor poor men um Godin in the box had both of his shorts both both of his wrong both his shorts and his jersey um tugged and that was not called. So VAR, although I think has done mostly a great job, we're seeing some non-calls that like are not really understandable. 
But it's for the obvious errors bar, isn't it? And, you know, we're talking about the Jesus and company thing. We've got three people and two different opinions. So it's it's not going to be clear cut for that sort of thing, is it, unfortunately? True. It's human error. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, we talked about the De Bruyne goal then. It was a heck of a smack, wasn't it? That is the De Bruyne that we've seen at Man City and that we haven't seen for a while for Belgium. Belgium looked fantastic tonight, didn't they? The way that Lukaku, Hazard and um, De Bruyne interplayed, wasn't it, James? It was fantastic. Yeah, Hazard in particular, he's got um, he's got so much pace. I, I recently interviewed the um, current goal, Belgian goalkeeper of Carl Sajjena, the German team, uh, Joe Coppens, who played with Aiden Hazard at the under-17 level. And he was telling me that even back then, you could tell that this guy is going to be a world-class footballer. And if you look at his low centre of gravity and his acceleration, it's just it's marvellous. And I think there's more to come from him in future. I don't think he's peaked. And uh, you could see the intelligence of his runs tonight, you know, especially when the clock was ticking down and uh, drawing fouls and going into the corner. It was, um, was, um, was a great team performance. Thomas Munier uh, got a yellow card and then misses the semi-final. And he, uh, he's, a quite, uh, he's quite a good player, so I wonder how much they're going to miss him in the, uh, in the semi-final against France. But it is a, um, it is a good performance from, uh, from Belgium, especially to go on to reach the semi-final, because I, I didn't think that would happen when the tournament started. There was a point towards injury time, well, I think it might just be in injury time, where Hazard's running down the wing and he gets fouled and he lands on the floor and does a little fist pump because he knows it wastes a few more seconds. <laughs> he's a smart player. I mean, if he's if he's on your team, you're going to love every second of that. And if you're playing against him, you just want to kick him. <laughs> like he's, he's smart. He really, you know, you see that in the runs that he makes. I think, like, like James says, you see that in his knowledge of where other people are so he could pass so he could run he's just I think he's he's got what it takes to lead this team are we agreed that Belgium deserve this tonight um yeah if if I'm honest I think they did I think they did obviously I'm a, I've been a Brazil fan since I was a young boy and it's frustrating on that on that uh, on that side of things but if I'm uh, if to remain professional I think they did deserve it yes Jesse, one of my friends said it said that um, Belgium won despite Roberto Martinez. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's it is surprising. You know, part of me is sad that there are no non-European South American teams left. Mm. Although I, I still am just absolutely shocked that Argentina. I will not finish that sentence. I am, I am um, looking forward to what will happen when qualifiers start next year and the changes that will happen in South America. Okay. Um, uh, what else? I was going to suggest something about... Because uh, we, we, on our pre-tournament um, pods, I think, I think I said it, I think a couple of the people said it, that Belgium and France will get to where they get like you just said, in spite of both of their managers, so in spite of Deschamps and in spite of Martinez, and then they got this far, both of them. Looking at, I mean, I've only seen the highlights of the France game, but you guys have seen both the games. Do Belgium have more of the momentum going into the semi-final? Possibly, but I, I, sorry, Jesse. No, I no, think, you go. Um, oh, possibly. Sorry, can I, sorry, just want to, I think the question I was trying to get over is who? Sorry, the question I was trying to get over is who played best today, France or Belgium? Sorry, that's what I was trying to say. I think uh, I think Belgium, personally. Um, but I think in terms of momentum, I just think that 
the experience that that France have with the likes of uh, Griezmann and Pogba and possibly even Hugo Lloris as well. I think that will give them the edge in the uh, in the semi final. I don't think they'll um, I don't think they'll wipe the floor with Belgium. I think they might maybe win two one perhaps, but uh, I think. France will uh, will edge out a place and, and play in a World Cup final on the 15th of July. Do you think the experience they had at the Euros, Jesse, where they got to the final and lost, do you think that's going to help France at all? They, James is talking about the experience they've had. You know, I think if anything, they've managed to put that behind them because I think that kind of loss can sometimes stick with players like, you know, this sort of mentality that, that England has had to put behind them to get over this penalty hump. And I think that's what France has managed to do is rebuild themselves so they are not the French team of old. This is a new, young French team. So I agree with James. I think Belgium did definitely play better today, but I think French is is going on on better momentum here. I think it's going to be exciting, though, to see Thierry Henry with Belgium go up against France. Yes, I haven't thought about that. Yeah, definitely. Can we have a shout-out for that French away kit, by the way? I love the font on it. The font is so much better because Eden Hazard looks like his name is Eden Hatuard, and that's just upsetting. No, sorry, and also the, the, the nice. I'm on about the French kit. That's what I mean. The 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 font on the Belgium kit is just stupid. Oh, okay. So the French kit is so much better. Yeah. Yes. So good for them, and good I like the them. little flicks, the flicks of like, like tie dye, red and blue tie dye in there. I like the little numbers on their chest. They look they look very good. The big zero on Mbappe's chest looks very good. Well done. Uh, okay, so that's France versus Belgium tomorrow. James, tomorrow. It's coming yes. home. Either it's coming home or they're coming home. I'm not sure which. Yeah, one of them, one of those two things are happening. Uh, my, you guys, my... either way, Spurs are going to win the World Cup. Ah, uh, you see, I called somebody out on this on Twitter because they they were starting to turn it into some sort of our Premier League players did this whereas the other Premier League players blah, blah, blah. and it's, I was getting really annoyed because it's not about I that. didn't do it not about you you didn't do it I did Ooh. about me no you didn't I know that it. it was an English person that did it that's what really annoyed me <laughs> it was our Tottenham players that scored the goals that got us through the penalty shooter and that was what really annoyed me because we're oh, not, we're not... Then they called out Liverpool I did not do that yeah no, but we're not Tottenham play. We're not Tottenham fans or Liverpool fans at the moment. We're all England fans, hopefully. Me, yeah, all of us. Yeah, yeah. especially Liverpool of Uruguay. But, um, so. <laughs> James, how are you feeling for tomorrow? Are you going to sleep well tonight? Uh, I think I sleep all right. I think uh, I think the Brazil Belgium game took it out of me a little bit. The voice is a bit hoarse. You were very um, you were very animated on WhatsApp. I was I was <laughs> I've been a I've been a Brazil fan since I was a little boy and uh, USA '94 and uh, France '98 and all that kind of thing. But, listeners, uh, we have a secret. Well, we don't have a secret. We have a WhatsApp group, listeners, where all the sort of man of the post contributors sort of talk and whatnot throughout the tournament. James's WhatsApp messages tonight's had lots and lots of sort of angry red faced emoji men didn't they yeah they would think the first time that's come out but uh, you know <laughs> i let my guard down for a little bit but i i actually think that the england sweden game will go to extra time and possibly penalties i um i championed sweden before the pod started having watched them in the same group as the netherlands and uh, they've got good players such as emil fosberg and uh, andreas Grangfist and uh, marcus berg who also played his football here in the Netherlands, and they've got something about them. You just wanted to show off your pronunciation there. I see you. <laughs> That's not true. I can give you information about all the different players, but Fosberg in particular is tremendous. <laughs> um, 
but I've my prediction for England Sweden is going to be one one, and I think it will go to penalties. Oh, oh why would you do that? Um, just years of having it drummed into him, I should imagine. Oh God, you just want to see the Twitter exchanges between Zlatan and Beckham. No. Um, what are you guys? Do you have? Do you have lucky shirts that you're wearing? Do you have lucky socks? Like, what? What's it going to be in your in your homes tomorrow? Well, I've got the whole family in. in I've, got, I've actually got four England shirts that I've acquired. No, one, five England shirts that I've acquired through the ages. At Charlotte, uh, my lucky Mrs. Chris, she actually wore my England Rooney shirt the other day for the, the game. Although she didn't watch the actual match, she went out to the other room, watched the Hotel Inspector of all bloody programs. Um, one of my children was in a, a Romario Brazil top tonight from USA oh. ninety four. Oh. Uh, and they'll be in um, they'll be in England shirts tomorrow. I might be as well. Okay, James, what have you got? Uh, I have a the official uh, England polo from Euro two thousand and twelve, which okay. I which I uh, it's the, like the red one uh, that Hodgson used to wear because I used to pretend that I was the manager, and that's why. That's why. <laughs> and uh, I'll be wearing that tomorrow. And England will also be playing in red, so uh, fingers crossed we'll be uh, we'll be able to reach the semi-finals for the first time in twenty eight years. My biggest fear about this Sweden team, this is a Sweden team that didn't let any goals against Italy um, in 180 minutes of a playoff. Um, and I get the feeling that if they do score, they're going to be very, very good at defending. Uh, they've got Granquist, haven't they? And they've got uh, Pontus Janssen in defence. And I don't think they're going to let an awful lot past them if they do take the lead. No, they do the, they do the simple things really, really well. I watched a game against Switzerland and... There's hooking a ball away and there's hooking a ball away. And, and in terms of how Sweden do it, it's uh, it's very, very intelligent. I think that a lot has to be said for the manager as well, Jan Andersson, mm. because he, he took over, you know, he took over the reins and everyone thought, especially here in the Netherlands, everybody thought, yeah, we're in a group with uh, with France. We've only got to deal with France and everything will be fine. They didn't uh, take into account Bulgaria. In particular, they didn't take into account Sweden. And the opening match was in Solna, which they, which they drew 1-1. And that led to the down for really in terms of not being able to qualify and Sweden have been uh, underestimated through their qualifying campaign to win at home against uh, France to uh, to dispatch of Italy as well to uh, to, to to stand their ground and, and, and beat Mexico the way they did and obviously they were lucky against Switzerland they definitely got something about them and I think uh, I think tomorrow is going to be quite difficult but we have our fingers crossed anyway and there's a school of thought isn't there Jesse that Sweden are a better team without Zlatan it doesn't, you don't have to demand everything through one person. I am afraid to say that because you know that Zlatan can hear everything we do in this country. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I am a, a bigger fan and a bigger believer in, in team play when, when you, know, you don't put the, the pressure and the demands on just one star. Yeah. No, that's fine. And then the other game is Croatia versus Russia. Um I think this is when we find out what Russia have in their drinks, back pockets, front pockets, <laughs> referees. Um, this is this is uh, this is going to be a fascinating match. It is going to be very good, isn't it? You looking forward to this one, James? Very much so. Again, my prediction is the same. I think it's going to be one-one and go to penalties, and I think Russia will win through to the semi-finals. I think Russia will deal with uh, Croatia the same way they dealt with Spain. 
and uh, reminiscent of South Korea in 2002. I mean, if you th- if you think back to 2002, we had a, uh, a World Cup semi-finalist in Turkey and South Korea, and we may well have in this instance uh, Russia and Belgium. So it'll be very interesting. But I must give a, uh, a shout out to the Russian striker Zuba, who plays for um, St. Petersburg. For me, he's one of the finds of the World Cup because I didn't know much about him before he arrived and in the World Cup and. Uh, for me as a fan, you know, there's always players, you, you know a lot about what goes on and you always try to keep you to the ground. But in the case of Huba for Russia, he's been uh, he's been one of my finds personally in, during this World Cup. Jesse, you've got the back of your hand on your forehead like a swooning Victorian lady. Is this uh, the thought of Russia going further, is it? or? I just needed smelling salts for a second. Um, <laughs> no, I think that, I think it's it is one of the biggest shocks perhaps second only to Germany going out when they did, that Russia has gotten this far. Um, I think that um, Akinfeyev has played so much better than I thought he would. Um, But I I think that it's going to, they're going to play for the penalties. It behooved them really well against Spain. and And I am just, just, surprised Chris and James that this is that it has come to this <laughs> no I'm not <laughs> knowing what we know yeah okay. yeah all right can we can we var the uh 2016 elections can we do that let's hope yeah let's hope maybe we can var quite a few things from the past brilliant right well thank yeah. you ever so much guys for joining us um there will be another man on the post uh, episode tomorrow night hopefully in triumph and flag waving hopefully you'll all be happily drunk out of joy hopefully we will be james if they want to follow you and get happily drunk with you how do they do that they can follow me on at james row nl at james row nl uh jesse how do they follow yourself on twitter um at jesse loesch at jesse loesch okay right at man on the post is the twitter account at man on the post is the instagram account and how do followers follow you chris uh at c etchingham 77 uh, is how they follow me. Thank you, James. Um, and we also have a Man of the Post Facebook page. Right, we've been doing our very, very best to try and keep these social media updated as much as possible. So please, please, please follow those and uh, make sure we're not wasting our time. Um, if you like what you hear, you can rate reviews on iTunes. You can follow us on Acast. You can download it from all your uh, usual uh, podcast locations as well. So, uh, James, thank you very much. You're more than welcome. Jesse, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. And always remember to keep your man on the post.